I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, the best way to get employees engaged in change. We look at how to design your dialogues to engage people even when they're in another country. Let's talk about homeschooling. A lot of us right now who have kids who are school age have taken on the role of teacher. And a lot of us are learning that kids have at least one subject at school they don't like. And it was exactly the same when we were kids because everyone has a subject they don't like but they need to pass. For example, maths or science or history. And what got us through when we were kids? Normally it was a good teacher or a parent who took the time to do one of three things. They took time to understand and listen to our problem. They took the time to personalise the plan to improve our scores. And they took the time to make us sit down at the table and make sure we got the homework done. So when you look at it, the teacher or the parent who guided us got us to change by using a perfect mix of tactics. So let's look at what those tactics are. There are actually only three ways to influence somebody to change. You can pull them towards the desired behaviour, you can push them towards the desired behaviour, or you can use a mix of both, pull and push. So what are these tactics and how do they work? Pull is about pulling somebody towards the desired behaviour. It uses cooperation, it uses listening at the base, and it uses a vision of where you want the person to get. And the change comes through commitment by the employees. Push, on the other hand, is using force and persuasion to move them towards the point you want to get them to. And change, in that sense, comes through compliance by employees. So pull is commitment, push is compliance. And a good teacher uses a mix of commitment and compliance tactics. So in the example we started with, understanding and listening to our problem is a pull tactic. Personalising the plan to improve our scores is also a pull tactic. On the other hand, making somebody sit down at the table and do their homework is a push tactic. You're forcing them to do it. So there's nothing new. Teachers use commitment and compliance to get kids to change and to learn. What amazes me is that in corporate change initiatives, that most of them fail in the long term, and we haven't really learned from our days at school. And if you look at what the top 10 tools are, it's amazing that most of them involve compliance. A group of American researchers looked at the 10 most frequently used change management tools since 2010. And they came up with this list. Number one, corporate change logs. Number two, communication plans. Number three, status reports. Number four, steering committees. Number five, board meetings and updates. Number six, weekly video messages from C-suite executives. Number seven, executive blogs. Number eight, change implementation microsites, for example, on the internet. Number nine, email updates. And number 10, general reports. All of those 10 tools dominate old school thinking on change management. At their heart, they are all compliance tools. The thinking is, we know what to do, your compliance is needed. 
I'm amazed, honestly, I'm amazed that companies are still using these. This is like telling an alcoholic or a gambler, you need to change, so stop drinking or stop gambling. Well, that advice is absolutely guaranteed not to work. An addict knows they want to quit, but they rarely quit just because the doctor or their best friend or whoever it is tells them to quit. If you want to get an alcoholic or a gambler to change their behavior, you have to create a commitment to quitting and a commitment to change. So those classic change management tools, those 10 tools that are still in use even today, they fit the push monologue. It fits cultures where top-down hierarchy is strong. All of those tools are variation on the same theme. They are one way, they are directive communication. And because they rely on compliance, the effects of the change are short-lived. It's fantastic for short-term change, which incidentally is about the length of time that classic management consultants are in the company before they leave. I don't like to be sarcastic, but that is the reality as a lot of people will testify. There's another problem with compliance-based tools. If you add in distance, and there are two types of distance, distance between countries, so geographically, and the second type of distance is distance in terms of different time zones. Distance makes it harder for directives to be enforced, and it makes it easier to avoid those directives because out of sight is out of mind. What we need for long-lasting change is dialogue. Dialogues take time and dialogues are tough work. And this is certainly the case when we want to create meaningful dialogues. Dialogue on paper sounds great. Dialogue in practice in the middle of a busy day or the end of a tiring day are really hard. It's really difficult to have the patience to have the presence, to stay with somebody, to understand and listen to their problem, to personalize your message to them when you're tired, when you're in a hurry, and when you've got 101 other things that you can do. And I think that's why people default back to compliance rather than getting commitment. Meaningful dialogue is exactly what those great teachers do. They take the time to sit down, to understand, to listen, to personalize the solution. And they also demand a certain degree of effort from the student. That's the art of teaching. And that's why teaching is so difficult when you can't get one-to-one -one with people. It's why teaching is not simply completing exercises, as a lot of people are finding out at the moment with their homeschooling. So we're saying that dialogue takes time. If you're trying to get a change implemented, it's no good banging on the desk, demanding change, because on your own, you can't change anything. In most organizations today, there are too many people at all levels who can manipulate or corrupt the change to serve their own interests first at the expense of the company's needs. Dialogue is also tough work. It is tough work and it's hard to hear that people don't understand your vision or your ideas or your plans that you've spent long hours working on. It's hard to hear when people say they don't understand what they have to do when you've explained it three, four, five times. And it's really hard not to be frustrated by managers and employees who refuse to engage with you. The criticisms and complaints they have might seem unjustified and unfair, but listen, we must. There's a reason why these dialogues are called crucial conversations and difficult discussions. And that's because it takes time and energy to engage with people. 
It takes time to understand. It takes time and empathy to listen from their perspective. It takes time to frame it in a personalized way for them. And it also takes discipline to push them to sit down and make them do their work. But that's exactly what great teachers do. I'm an optimist. As I go around, compared to a decade ago, I find more and more executives know that they need a mix of pull, that's commitment, and push, that's compliance tactics, because where they need my help now is how to enter into meaningful dialogues and still be efficient with their time. Ten years ago, a lot of people weren't even aware of the importance of meaningful dialogues, so we have moved forwards. And in that sense, the leading companies have already taken a big step forward in the last 10 years, and that's something to celebrate. I'm Stephen Hunt. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business.